Welcome everyone to the Power Half Hour. Every single Wednesday, 11 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, I interview a top producer in real estate sales. And this week, we have a very special guest, a very humble man. <laughs> I would say very amiable, but, but ultimately very, very successful, Mr. Rob Periello. Did I get that right? You did, man. Thank you. Okay, Thank you. Good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, is that Italian? Uh, yes, for sure. Okay, okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm Asian, so you know, I, it, it could have been Greek for uh, for all I know. But anyway, thank you for being on the show, man. I know you're a very busy guy, um, Rob. If I didn't get this uh, wrong, 137 transactions last year closed and pending with one buyer's agent, correct? That's the goal for this year. Oh, that's the goal for yeah. this year. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And last year. So I've, I've honestly been on a slide. So I, I went from 93 to 85 to 72 last year. So I'm headed in the wrong direction, actually. Yeah. Okay. Now, because of that, you know, what we talked about during the retreat was, you know, decreasing in transactions, but did your price point go up? It did. And the income went up, went up like so many agents have seen for sure. You know, I, I hear that all over North America. So, you know, for those of you that are listening right now, uh, that is a crutch because your transactions went down. So you helped less families, but we were bailed out by the market growth. So this is the year where you're going to almost double your transactions, 137. That's one, one buyer's agent, correct? Correct. I just hired a second one. Just hired a second one. Yeah. Well, you're geared up for, for a big year, man. So congratulations yeah. in advance. Um, Thank you. Rob, Rob, Robert or Rob? Would Rob you... is fine. Yeah, Rob. Okay. Rob, you were on stage role-playing the FISBO script. Not many people can say that. And it's the, the scariest script um, any agent can actually practice. And he did it in front of 1,800 people. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was. Uh, it definitely put me out of my comfort zone. Um, when my coach asked me to do it, you know, I you know, got that butterfly feeling in my stomach. And, um, you know, which told me I should do it, right? Like any chance we have to get uncomfortable, I think we need to take that and, and take it as an opportunity to grow. And, um, you know, it made me dig in and focus and practice more, which in turn, leading up to the retreat, I, I set three or four physical appointments that month just wow. from all the practicing I was doing, right? So it, there's a direct correlation there for sure. You know, Mike always gives us these opportunities and uh, you didn't turn it down, you stepped up. And what I noticed during the role play is you started out slow. You started out slow and you followed the script verbatim and, and then you started to pick up, you ramped up and it was just amazing how you finished. Yeah. So, and it shows that you, you were practicing. Obviously everybody gets nervous, but you finished strong. Cool, and, appreciate that, thank you. And you know what, and, and now you've declared your goal in front of 1800 people. What's that like, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, it, it gives you that extra motivation, right? When you say it out loud in front of those people, you can't just stop after a week when it doesn't go right. You got to stick with it for the whole year and, um, you know, give it a hundred percent for sure. Now in July, we're all going to go up to Rob and ask him, Hey, how, how's your 137 deal goal going? You know, that's massive accountability. For sure. You know, accountability is what moves us forward truly, you know, because motivation and, and inspiration don't last but accountability lasts forever. Tell us a little bit about um, how accountability has improved your business. Good question. Um, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that you don't necessarily realize until you do it, right? You, everyone thinks, oh, you know, I'm disciplined, I can do this. But until you actually add those pieces, 
um, you don't necessarily feel it for yourself. So I have been lucky enough to have three or four accountability partners where we're either texting listing appointments or uh, texting listings taken at the end of each day. Um, and man, it's, it's not a good feeling when you have to go to that person and say, I didn't set any appointments today, right? You feel like, oh, like you didn't hold up your end of the bargain. So it, it definitely makes you grind through those afternoon hours or end of day hours a little harder than you would have otherwise without anybody to report to. So there's a huge benefit to it for sure. If you were just alone, if Rob was alone every single day, he can say that, hey, you know what? My commitment was 40 contacts, but you know, I did 34. It's all good. But yep. when you're reporting to somebody, better yet, when you put money on it, then you're going to go to 40 no matter how you look at it. For sure. And I would think that last little bit is what separates the top 1% from the rest. So congratulations in, in advance on that. Um, let, you know, rewind a little bit. You got into this business only seven years ago. You were a physical education teacher for 11 years. Yes and got into real estate. How did you get into real estate? Good question. So um, I had my license about five years before that. Hadn't done anything with it. Uh, phys ed teacher out of college. I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Me and my friends read it, right? Instantly got me into wanting to invest and, and learn real estate. So I thought I, I could do it on my own. Um, that's what kind of got the wheels turning, right? But I'm, I'm analytical, so I, you know, I thought about this for five years. Um, we had a two-year-old. My wife was pregnant with our second daughter at the time. And I got to the point where I really said, it's, it's going to be now or never, right? I have, the kids are young. If I'm going to make a move, I got to go now. So I quit. Luckily, I was introduced to Mike Ferry, um, followed his systems. And my, I mean, really, it, it kind of forced me to do it. I didn't have an option. My back was against the wall, and I had to I had to figure it out. Um, so luckily, there's so many great people in that system, and, and it's such a proven uh, method that I, I did everything that I was told by my coach, and it, and it worked. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. You were told what to do, and you did it, and you did 47 transactions in your first year. Not many of us can say that. Um, how did you do it? You know, some people, whenever someone asks me that, what I think I was very lucky, I didn't have any bad habits. Like. I, I didn't know anything else. I walked into my broker's office and I said, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And they, they showed me the system and, and I got into coaching and I just did what my coach said. Um, versus now I would almost argue as we experience success, we start to think we know better. And, and that's where some, some of that regression in transaction I think comes. Going back to those basics and just doing those little things each day, I think really have an enormous impact. I would think this is the year we go back to basics. Couldn't I mean, really like get up, role play, practice, prospect to three, three to four hours, do your lead follow up, pre qualify, and go on appointments. If you get get it as simplified as that, you can succeed. So as a new agent, um, the forty seven transactions. I want to break this down for the audience because yeah. a lot of new agents watching. What's your breakdown of the, all those deals? It was about, I've always been about 80% listing sold. So it was probably 30, 35, 37 um, listings and then 10 or 12 buyer sales. I've, I've always been a big believer in staying on your schedule. And I learned very quickly that the only thing that could take me off my schedule is working with a buyer. You can control everything on the listing end, which means you yeah. can control your prospecting and lead follow up. And when you talk to the clients, 
You can control that perfectly on the listing side. On the buyer side, no matter how hard, hard you try, there's going to be a little rub there, right? Even if you're really good at it. So um, that's what kind of always drew me to the, the listing side. Gotcha. And out of the 35 listings that you sold, and then I guess it was another 12 buyers, um, COI, past clients, for sale by owners, expired listings, what, what was the sort of a majority of your business? Yeah, so I was all expired in FISBO then. No, I was, really? Yeah, I was super nervous to call my database. It was a, it was a big like mind block for me in the beginning. Um, you know, I didn't care what the stranger said to me. I can call them all day, but I cared what the people I knew. I, for whatever reason, I couldn't get over that. Um, so luckily, I've gotten over that hump. But that first year, that that was a, a struggle for me. So majority for sale by owners and expired listings. Um, yeah. How did you get over that rejection? Because expired listings and for sale by owners are very high impact, also meaning very high rejection. Yeah. And you were okay with that rejection but not okay with rejecting yourself with the past clients that have influenced. Yeah. Um, I didn't know them, so I didn't care. You know, they would yell at me and swear and hang up, and it didn't matter. Also, I'm a bit competitive, and, like, when they throw the jabs at you, that kind of motivated me. Like, I'd want to counter back, and, and I'd want to try to show them how I could help, right? So that kind of inspired me a little bit. Um, it's kind of got my juices going, if you will. So I, I was kind of drawn to it. I didn't mind I didn't mind prospecting for three, four hours and, and just calling those fizzbos and expireds all day. That's amazing. Now, yeah. to, to be able to sell that many homes, expired listings for sale by owners, you must have practiced a lot and prospected a lot. In your first year, how much did you practice in role play? So I did a lot, a lot. Um, what I would do, I'd spend a lot of time writing the scripts down. I'd spend a lot of time reflecting. Um, like I think about where I got stuck in my prospecting session, where I lost. And then I'd go back and I'd write down what I could say next time. And then I would practice that. So yes, I memorized the scripts. But something I tell people is, I think a lot of us want to know every script perfectly before we even start. And I think that's a mistake. I think it's important to get on the phone. Yes, practice, but actually get on the phone. And you'll get better while you're on the phone prospecting, too. That's a form of practice as well. Don't spend all day practicing and none prospecting. You definitely want to spend time doing both, if that makes sense. You got to take the action after you practice. Like yeah. if you practice for four or five hours, um, you know, in the NBA and then you don't play a game, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You probably won't get better either. Um, so 47 deals in your first year, all for sale by owners and expired listings. How many contacts were you doing per day in that first year? You know what? It was probably about 15 contacts a day. Really? Yeah. So what I would do, remember, I'm just calling expired. So, and I would call old expired. So you don't always get a high pickup rate on there, right? I'm right. digging through the old expireds in the phone, which can become very boring. You're just on the phone and it's ringing and ringing and then you hit one. And so it wasn't a super high contact rate, but it was a, a low hanging fruit. When you got someone talking, if I had, if I knew my scripts, it, I was able to close them, you know? That's amazing. So a lot of dials, but not a lot of pickups. Correct. But well, the ones that do pick up, you can convert at a high level. Correct. Yeah. With that being said, when you call a lot of people, 15 contacts, how many listings did you take from that the whole year? The year one? Yeah. It was about four a month, so about 50, 52, somewhere in that range. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 50, 52, and then you did 47 deals. So Mike always says, one listing taken equals one paycheck. 
and I assert that seven years ago, market wasn't really that great yet. It, it was a weak market. In our state, a lot of people were leaving. Um, they were going down south to Florida, the Carolinas. Um, we have a very high tax rate here. So no one wanted to be here. So absolutely, there was a lot of people selling. And um, I had that same thought in my head. If I took a listing, I knew we'd either get a buyer from it or the yes. listing would sell, one or the other. So when I signed the listing, to me, that's when I got paid, even though I necessarily didn't see the money then. To, in my mind, I was like, I got paid right there. That's amazing. Okay, yeah. guys, uh, one listing equals one paycheck. So whatever your goal is this year, take the exact same amount of listings that you want for deals. There it is. It's, it's a no-brainer. Uh, how important do you think tracking numbers is? I mean, it's huge because it tells us it tells us what's working or what's not, right? So in the beginning years, I knew, okay, uh, I can bank on this many expired and FISBO listings a year. And it also showed me, like, if I want to get to that next level, 75, 100, so be it. Now i got to figure out where I can supplement, what sources I can add. And that's part of what helped me get into the database and start working that really strong, too. Um, and without that, without tracking, you don't know where you stand. You can't duplicate your business. You can't predict the future, you know? Exactly. You can't predict the future. What you measure and track, you can improve. So guys, please, I'm begging everybody, all, all the agents that are listening right now, please track your numbers. For goodness sakes, <laughs> I've been saying this for years. If you want your business to be predictable and duplicatable, track your numbers. Even if it's on a spreadsheet, please do it. Yes. Please do it. Um, but it comes back to this. It's, uh, it's a lot of hard work. You're dialing two, three hundred phone numbers per day and you're getting only 15 contacts. Man, it's a grind. It's hard. What do you say to that for new agents? Okay, so that, that's a good question. Um, so to me, I came from a middle class family, um, yeah. you know, loving parents. We didn't, we didn't have the most money in the world, good environment, but we didn't have the most money. Um, my dad was a, was a mailman, right? Or a postal worker. He worked inside uh, the uh, post office just sorting mail. He did it every day for 40 years. 40 years. To me, like if someone could do that every day for 40 years and support their family, you know, and make whatever it was, $50,000 at the time, and do the same thing. Over, heck, I could sit there on the phone for eight hours a day if I have to. If people are, you know, you're going to get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, help families in the process, give them good service. To me, it's like, that's just complaining if we can't sit down. You can turn the music on. You can, you got air conditioning, heat. Like, we can't be, get on the phone, help people, make, make the money, man. I, I think so, man. That's a, such a great thing. So your dad, for 40 years, he was sorting through mail and he yeah. delivered mail every single day. For 40 years, guys. Yeah. We, our jobs aren't hard, but the, the hard part is getting the rejection. How, how did you get over rejection with those fizzbos and explosions? So, I, you know what, I guess I never thought about it too much. I, I just believed that if I followed the process, it would all work out if I can find the listings. Um, I, and I think part of that comes from like great agents like yourself. Like if you look at the Mike Ferry system or you find any agent out there that's successful, if you see they're doing it, that helps give you the confidence that if I stick with this for the long term, it is all going to work out. And then as you start to see some results slowly over time, you know, that helps too. It helps you believe. Ah, so it's like baby steps. You got to take the actions and then you see small results, small results, and you build upon that. Another thing that um, you said was 
you know, kind of getting yourself surrounded by people that are doing uh, the same as you or more than you. How, how important is it for, for you to surround yourself with top producers? I mean, it's huge. Um, you know, I'm always trying to pick someone's brain that's doing more than me. Um, I, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I want to know what's working and then how I can apply it in my life. And, and the cool thing about a lot of top producers that I've met uh, throughout the years is that, man, they're very willing to share and, and, yeah. and be helpful. You know what I mean? Like, even for you, like, I've reached out to you a few times in the past. We, we didn't necessarily know each other, but you would call me and, and answer my questions. Just like, that's the type of thing that, um, you know, great agents do in this business. And if you're willing to ask and learn, there's always someone willing to share. So take advantage of that. And, and then go ahead and pay that forward to other people when you become a top agent yourself. You know what I mean? That's exactly my thought as well. You yeah. know, uh, I don't know if you have you ever come across or talked to Michael Young. I haven't talked to him yet. I know who he is, though. Dude, I was deathly scared of this guy. I had a lot of respect for him. And one year I was just like, Michael, can we role play? <laughs> <laughs> and then, dude, kid you not, every Thursday when I had to role play with him, I would cold sweat. Yep. Yeah, but I, I think it got me out of my comfort zone and, and it leveled me up. And he would always coach me. Like you said, these top producers, they want to help. So sure. don't be afraid to reach out to them. What about a mastermind group? How do you think that has changed your business? Yeah, same thing. You know, I will say this. During COVID, I think it was huge. Mm -hmm. um, it's always huge. But COVID is, is how it, what's popping in my mind when you ask me that question. Um, you know, it, in the beginning, there was a lot of uncertainty. No one knew which way the real estate business was going to go. And there was a couple months there where transactions were falling apart. Sellers were canceling contracts. But having that weekly call with a group of people who are like-minded, on the same path, bouncing ideas, getting that reassurance of what's working and not, man, for your confidence and your belief systems, because you know, like you said, this, listen, this business can be hard. You get rejected. Yeah. You have to keep your mindset strong. And, and a big part of that is surrounding yourself with other people who have similar goals and who have been through what you're going through and can support you and, and keep your, help keep your mindset strong. Yeah. A mastermind group is, you know, when I joined one, it was like the quantum leap, the first time I quantum leap in my business, and I'm truly grateful for that. Um, people always ask me, uh, Rob, how do you start a mastermind group? Same thing as we just talked about, right? You got to talk. You have to meet people. You have to introduce yourself, ask them what their goals are, right? See if your goals align, and, and someone's got to start and make that first step. There may, they may have a mastermind group already in place, or maybe you and that other person just get the wheels turning right there and get conversations going and pulling people that you both know. But uh, the only way is to talk to other agents and ask questions. See what their goals are, share your goals, and start that process. So you would go to the, the Mike Ferry Retreat or any other kind of networking thing or conference Seek out people that are, have the same goals as you, the same objectives, doing a little bit more than you preferred, right? Yep. And then set up a group. I would recruit uh, people to our mastermind group. That's just how you do it. Meet people, right? Simple Even that. with social media nowadays, too, you can reach out to people very easily. You know, people doing more. Reach out to them on social media. Start. You take the action, right? If you don't prospect for a listing, you're never going to find a listing. If That's you don't. True. If you don't search for a mastermind group or try to, it's never going to happen. You have to start planting those seeds, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and when you reached out to me on Facebook Messenger, I actually, you know, I don't know if we ever met before that, maybe briefly. And then I saw you at the retreat. I'm like, hi, I, I don't know if we ever met. And then you're like, oh, I reached out to you on Facebook. I'm like, yeah. oh, Rob, okay. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's just that easy. And it's so easy to uh, start a conversation when you belong to the same group, uh, same organization as For well. For sure. So, Rob, uh, right now the market has changed and, and you know, We've already had a good shift in the last six months. Going forward this year, I don't see it getting a lot better in terms of sales. There will be 4.8 million sales in the States still. Yeah. But what, what do you see as the biggest opportunity for agents this year to become successful? Man, I'm super, I'm super excited for this year. And a big reason for it is expires and FISBOs. So I started my business on those as we talked about but for the past two or three years, everything sold. Fizbos sold themselves. Expireds were there was not many because everything was selling. So that a big chunk of my business disappeared. And through that, I, I learned to grow other parts of my business. But now they're coming back. The Fizbos aren't selling themselves. The expireds are coming back on. So I am so excited to get back after those. And I think there's a huge opportunity for anybody in the business who's willing to work and make those calls and get after it to really increase their market share, increase their listing production this year. Get excited because those yeah. guys are coming back. You can't even cherry pick them because the Fizbos sure as hell aren't selling themselves, guys. Great point. Reach out to those Fizbos and a lot of expires are coming back to the market. Uh, so another thought that I have, uh, Rob, is, um, you know, as you, at, as I have before, I went from 149 deals in, in 2016, and I went to 137, then 99. I was so burnt out, and I, I didn't know how to build a team yet. So when I had those setbacks, it did something to my head. How did you deal with the, the, the sliding in your mind? Yeah. So, and by the way, this is not the first time. Early in my career, I went from 47, 66, then back to 47. Oh. Before I went back up to the 70. So... I've had this, I think when people think growth, they think you're just naturally going to go on this upward projection. And that's not reality. Like reality is we have these setbacks. And I think the important thing is to learn from them, right? So for me, when I have the setback, it's almost like a wake up call. Like it's a, it's, it lights the fire. I'm just going through the motions. I need to get more focused on, on what I'm doing each day, be more present, um, and use it as motivation. Think about what I, what went wrong, what went right and then try to use that as momentum for the next year. Ah, I love it. So use that as fuel to produce more for yeah. the next year. And it, it sometimes, you know what, it's gonna happen. Sometimes you have to take two steps back to take five steps forward. Yeah. And that's okay. But in those years, I believe, you know, this reminded me of uh, 2008, 2009, when I take five steps back. Yeah. But in that year, I've grown so much as a salesperson, so much as a person, and it made me stronger so I move forward in a big way the next year, right? So be okay with the setback and let it fuel you. So this this is fueling you this year. I wanted to ask you, do you ever get complacent? I mean, I would have to say yes. Here, I In my head, I never believe I'm complacent, right? I always believe I'm doing the right things I'm getting after. Yeah. But if I'm gonna honestly look at the results, if I look at my past three years with the numbers declining there, there's a level of complacency there or the numbers wouldn't be declining. So 
if I'm going to be honest with myself, I'm going to have to say yes. And I think when I, when I reflect on this, I believe it's all about presence. Like, yes, I'm making all the calls. Yes, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. But am I really present? Am I really listening to the, to the client when they're talking? Am I closing as many times as I should? Am I focused? And I think that that alone is the difference between 20, 30, 40 transactions a year as you get that count up. It can really matter. I, I think so, and you don't even know when you're complacent because you, when you're on the phone, you're not closing as hard. Yeah. And <clears throat> I guess my next uh, question for you is, of course, when you did the ninety some ninety three deals closed and pending, you made a lot of money. I did. Yeah. Right, and then you went backwards because you made some money. Yeah. So how do you trick your mind, right? Because we don't always want to be motivated when there's a lack of money. Yeah. How do you go over that? How do you play a trick on your mind? That's a good question, man. Um, you know, I think it's you. You have to create a lifestyle that has some meaning and purpose, right? And you need that money to fuel the lifestyle. Um, whether it's giving back to charities or, or investing in real estate or taking your family on nice trips, right? The money can do things, whether it's bringing on staff to help you. Now you're giving someone a job. That, there's so many things that the money can do. And I, I think by becoming complacent and just accepting that your lifestyle is okay, um, it, could, it could be demotivating, right? So, But when you think bigger and you have bigger goals and they have some meaning behind them and something you really want to accomplish, I think that's the best trick we have to play on ourselves to keep us hungry and to keep us going when there's meaning behind it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. It's not just about earning that money. You have to attach the meaning of yeah. what money can do for you to sustain the lifestyle that you want. Yeah. And, you know, it, it comes back to uh, the why. So what what's your why beyond the money? Well, I got, I have two girls. Um, they're young, man. I, I have a wife. I have a family. I, I want to, I want them to be able to do what they want in life and have the freedom to choose and, and try things without having to worry if they can afford it or not, right? And I want to have the ability to give back and help people without having to say, oh, well, you know, then we can't buy dinner this week or whatever it is. I want to make sure we can help and do things that inspire us and not kind of be trapped and constricted. That that really motivates me. Mm, not to be trapped. It is, I think for us analyticals, yeah. security. Yeah, yeah. Security. Sure. Um, we're, we're not so much about the recognition. Yes, everybody drives from recognition, but security yeah. for us analyticals. I thought you were amiable, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> so I think a little bit of both, but yeah. uh, no, that's that's great advice. Um, and how old are you? Uh, 41. 41? Yeah. You look great. You got a great hairline and everything. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Okay. So we're about the same age. Cool. Um, so big congratulations on the production so far. What do you think you can do 10 years from now? Man, I, I, I believe I can get up to three, 400 transactions a year. Um, I'm at a point, I used to be a teacher, right? And so many agents have helped me and given me advice. I really want to start giving back to agents, growing my team, sharing what I know with them. Um, so to not only provide you know great service for the marketplace, but also help other agents too. I I, I have some big goals. That is awesome. Yes, uh, one of your goals is to keep growing the team. Yeah, correct. That's awesome, man. So mm -hmm. three to four hundred transactions and helping the clients out there, and also at the same time give back to the agents that got what you got. Uh, 
Rob, any last insight for the agents that are watching right now who are like, okay, give me something to move ahead in 2023, what would it be? I guess the, the main thing when I talk to especially new agents is um, they have a lot of trouble being consistent on, on the phone. It, to me, it's be less worried about your skill set. Don't ignore it, practice, but be more worried about consistently making your prospecting calls each day. If you make those calls each day, you're going to accidentally take listings. It's going to happen by accident. You don't even have to be good, right? But believe me, you will get good if you do it every day, right? So just keep making those calls. Whatever time you have in your schedule, do it no matter what. Don't let anything touch it, and you're going to be fine, especially this oh, year. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yes, we do have to practice. You know, at the highest, I was practicing uh, three times a day, five days a week, but I was never really that good. What I was good at was, like you said, being consistent, and I just yeah. showed up. Yeah. And guys, this year, a few, you know, in the States, probably a, a few hundred thousand will drop off in terms of realtors, and those guys, uh, the clients still need your help. So stay consistent, do your role plays, but show up every single day to prospect. Rob, thank you for all that you yeah. shared today, and big congratulations on the production uh, goals so far, and all the best for this year, man. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me, man. All the best. Awesome.